Yeah, and you said VW sketchy van, so mm-hmm. I definitely thought that was San Diego because it's by <laughs> Pacific Beach. I was like, oh yeah, this fits the bill. <laughs> Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, a game show where we grab our dolphins and go head-to-head to test our wits against the prowess of fictional young detectives for charity. I'm your host, Mike Schubert. I am notoriously bad at solving children's mysteries, which is why I'm safely behind the judges' table, letting others duke it out instead. Our contestants this week are Jordan Liggins and Bobby Wagner from The Ringer. Today's mysteries are from Mary-Kate and Ashley Detective Adventures. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> And I am very excited to make this happen. People have been clamoring for this for a while. I will say that these videos as a whole, the mysteries are so easy that it took me a really long time. And it took someone who had some of the VHSs that weren't on YouTube. Shout out to Melinda and Steven who watched some of the VHS ones that weren't on YouTube and sent me recaps that I was able to use in this episode. But before we get into all of that... Bobby and Jordan, how's it going? It's going great. You know, it's going as good as it can be. Mike, I feel like I'm getting asked that question a lot and I don't know what to say. Mike, what should I say? I need like a canned line that I can give that isn't like, eh, you know, the fall of democracy, but the weather's nice in LA. (laughs) The two things you can do is like be really, really short term with your comparisons. Be like, well, today's better than yesterday or like 2 p.m. is better than 1 p.m. Or you just say like, hanging in there. (laughs) Today's better than yesterday is fantastic. Wow, I'm going to use that going forward. That's a good one. I just say great, but the quote air quotes are there. Mm -hmm. Um, You just can't hear them. Yeah, they translate very well to podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) So Jordan, which charity will you be playing for today? I will be playing for the Black Women for Wellness Project, and it is World Mental Health Day on October 10th. So, yeah, it's a great foundation helping black women with their mental health and their wellness and also black girls. That's fantastic. What about you, Bobby? I will be playing for the Okra Project. It's um, a project that based on individual donations, they pay black trans chefs to go into the homes of black trans people and cook them uh, healthy and home-cooked meals. That's great. Both wonderful organizations. Whoever wins will be happy. And, you know, it's going to be a winner, though. I'm very excited for whoever loses to receive a lot of trash talk from the other co-worker that we have on this episode today. I'm going to go on a third basketball podcast and talk trash about Jordan. (laughs) Bring it on, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So here's how the game works. I'm going to be recapping three mysteries from the wonderful video series, Mary-Kate and Ashley Detective Adventures. Neither of you have seen these before. Maybe you have, but hopefully it's been long enough that you don't remember them. I'm going to lay out all the clues. I'll ask for your accusations, and each correct guess of culprit or motive will earn you points. But there's also bonus points at stake. If your guess matches my incorrect guess, I will be giving you one Misery Loves Company bonus point. I'm usually very wrong at these, so that is an easy one to obtain. But also, if there's just anything else where I see fit, if you have a particularly ridiculous guess, if you throw some really good trash talk at each other, which has already been happening before we even got into this, uh, I'll throw bonus points. Whatever just makes me laugh or giggle. You know, everything is pretend, nothing is real, and uh, nothing matters. So we'll just see what happens. If the game is tied at the end of these three rounds, we'll break the tie in the only fitting way, which is with a sudden death riddle. But we'll see if it even comes to that. So with all the rules being set forward, I say we put the pedal to the metal 
and do our first Mary-Kate and Ashley video, The Sea World Adventure. Ooh, I lived in San Diego. This is a leg up for me. Oh, ooh, home court advantage, clearly. <laughs> I went to San Diego one time, so here we, here we go. <laughs> now, just a little backstory on the kid detectives here, the trench coat twins, if you will, which is what they are referred to throughout the series. These are these VHS videos that are about 30 minutes long each that involve Mary-Kate and Ashley starting at age seven, and then they made these for a couple years, solving these mysteries. And the mysteries are either whodunit style or very educational and not hard at all. These ones I have here are the actual mystery whodunit style. Yes. I feel like this is going to be good. This is going to be great. So this first one, the SeaWorld Adventure, thankfully sets up a lot of the important lore around Mary-Kate and Ashley, the kid detectives, in that they live at SeaWorld with their parents who are dolphin trainers. Oh. I'm digging this. It's like a little bit of like a co-op situation. Okay. <laughs> you can provide them housing as well. Support your workers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild scenario. So not only... Are their parents dolphin trainers that do these shows at SeaWorld? But their father has just completed a computer program with which he can type in commands in English, and then the dolphins understand what he's telling them, and then they do those tricks. So just a marvel of science. High I level. feel like this guy should be far beyond SeaWorld. And also, I did a Scooby-Doo mystery in season one where this exact situation happened. So... <laughs> I don't know what is up with Who Done It kid series and talking to dolphins, but here we are. Who's going to be the first person to do the dolphin noise on the podcast? Does it have to be me? I don't feel like I can do it. Does anybody have a good dolphin noise? It's going to be you. It's not me. I can't do it. I can't. Uh, I'll do it for the team. Just like, ah, that was bad. That was rough. That was was great. I feel like I sounded more like the SpongeBob guy when Bubble Buddy buries him under the sand and the high tide's coming in. (laughs) He's like, oh, the high tide's coming in. (laughs) That is Perfect. Any Spongebob reference, I'm here for. I'm rewatching Spongebob right <laughs> now. He died, didn't he? He died and that got really dark. That guy died in that episode. He died. He literally died thanks to Bubble Buddy. <laughs> Hooray for murder on children's programming. <laughs> Yo, Spongebob is legit. Like I said, I'm rewatching it right now. There's a lot of adult themes. It's very relatable. It's a lot of like nine to five clocking in, doing your job at the Krusty Krab. I, I feel Spongebob. And you know who I really feel on a second watch? Is Squidward. We all feel Squidward, man. As kids, we hated him. As adults, we became him. Can you imagine living next to SpongeBob and Patrick? Your neighbors are SpongeBob and Patrick. I would move immediately. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of places for him to move. <laughs> a very small neighborhood. This is the only street in the entire ocean, apparently, but it's okay. <laughs> Back to Mary Kay Nashley. Business is slow for their detective agency, which is set up like a lemonade stand in the middle of SeaWorld, which I can understand why people don't go to SeaWorld and then need a crime to be solved. But there is a fun bit of them trying to put penguin flippers on a fingerprint thing. They're trying to get a confession out of a parrot. And they tell the parrot, we have ways of making you squawk. So the writing, not terrible. But Mary-Kate and Ashley's performance, atrocious. I didn't watch Full House. I don't know if there's anything they bring to the table besides being small and cute. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't get it. They're not talented at all. They just are twins. Wow, this just became a drive-by of Mary-Kate and Ashley <laughs> on, the, on the podcast where we're reading their story. I mean, come on. I had to watch 12 of these fucking videos, and they're so <laughs> bad. They're so bad. And they're all, and I learned this the hard way, musicals. Now that got oh, interesting. It took me a second to process what you said. <laughs> they're really just musicals. They sing at least three songs per episode, 
including the intro to the movies, which I'll put a clip in here, but I will spare your ears because it's been stuck on my head all day just because I knew I was recording this podcast. Who stole the Great Hope Diamond? What killed the dinosaurs? Who makes the finest pizza? What's in your brother's dresser drawers? It's just monotone, extended talking, but not in the good way like the guy from Cake does. It's just really bad. It's unbelievable how much higher the bar has gotten in terms of just like child entertainment. We got Pixar now. We got good kids TV shows. You know, this was like what? What, what was it, the 90s? Late 90s, yeah. Just a bad time for content. Bad time. We live in the gilded era of content now. They just capitalized. I feel like they were they were Kevin Hart before Kevin Hart was. Like, if you're popular, just keep going. Keep going. And they did it for like 15 years. I appreciate the hustle. They were not good, but they were hustling a lot. Yes. Innovators, but not talented musicians. Their singing is so bad. I cannot unrecommend enough people watch these videos because all of the songs are the worst earworms and they just can't sing. But anyway, while Mary-Kate and Usher are going about trying to find a crime to solve, they are interrupted by Bobo and Flippy, who are two mimes that just run around SeaWorld pulling a bunch of shenanigans because I guess that's something that the people want. Never was a mime guy. I feel like I'm kind of dressed like a mime right now. I'm in like black (laughs) and white stripes. And I actually was a mime for Halloween like two years ago and I put socks like booties (laughs) white socks because i didn't have white gloves i didn't know i was on the podcast with the foremost mime expert no i'm really i feel like i'm at a disadvantage now i just remember that right now i hate halloween and that was the easiest costume because i have a lot of black and white (laughs) so mr kramer the park manager comes by and he checks in on the girls doesn't have a case but he encourages them because you know someone might have a case who's to say But then the kids realize it's two o'clock and they are late for a show. We get into the first song of the thing and oh, it's it's just whatever you're imagining in your head. It's worse. But Mary-Kate and Ashley help out their parents with these dolphin shows, mainly by just standing there and then their parents do everything. But they sing a song about it and they wear fun costumes. And that's what we're dealing with. They actually end up getting grounded by their parents because they showed up late to the dolphin show, which I do think is great. Mary-Kate and Ashley's parents in this are pretty solid. We've established that the dad is smart as hell, and now they just have no tolerance for BS. So I'm on team Mr. and Mrs. They never say what Mary-Kate and Ashley's last name is. Of course. (laughs) I like how they put their children on a performance improvement plan. Like they were late to the show. This is also their job. Okay, that's the first bonus point of the episode to Bobby. <laughs> Dang! A, a sick PIP reference. Love a little pip. You know, a little pip talk on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like every good kid, they use spy equipment to eavesdrop on their parents, which I used to do this all the time with my spy stuff made out of plastic when I was eight years old. And they overhear a conversation between them and Mr. Kramer, their boss, who is trying to convince them to take a break because they've been working so hard. The parents just refuse. They say they love their job. They don't want to take a break, etc. So Mr. Kramer just kind of walks off in a, well, I guess I tried kind of moment. So the girls are really sad because they thought this meant they could go on vacation if they decided to take a break, even though they do live at SeaWorld. So I don't know what they're really trying to look for here, but they've got it made pretty well. Yeah, and San Diego is the best city in the country. America's finest city. Wow, that's a flex. I, well, I feel like <laughs> if you live in SeaWorld, like you might want to try Disneyland or, um, <laughs> I don't know, a myriad of other normal places. Very true. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> Even though San Diego's great, SeaWorld, 
sucks. Let's just say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is definitely a pre, what was it? Blackfish? Was that the documentary? Yeah. I actually think Blackfish was inspired by this exact video. So I'm oh. going to call that right now. <laughs> All right. Well, it's funny you mentioned it because the next thing they see while they are walking around the park is a body laying face down in a bunch of flowers. Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to say the water. No, oh, no, no, no. Don't worry. It's flowers. This took a darker turn than I was expecting. <laughs> oh, yeah. It gets serious real quick. So what I do appreciate about Mary-Kate and Ashley, unlike other kid detectives like in Scooby-Doo and stuff like that, they just go straight to the police. They go straight up to the park security and they're trying to tell them what happened. I thought they were the ones that were solving the crime. What do they need the police for? I don't know. At least I I feel like at least talking to park security makes sense in case, I don't know, there's a murderer at SeaWorld. But when they bring the park security back to where they saw the body, the body is gone. Oh. So the park security is like, what the hell are you guys doing? This is a waste of my time and storms off. But they find a wallet in the place where the body was and inside is an ID, but it's the back of someone's head. So it doesn't have a face. It's a picture of the back of a head. Useful. <laughs> but also inside the wallet are two tickets to the Sky Tower, which is one of those big spinning towers where you can just get a vantage point of everything in the park. So they decide that they are going to go up there and see if they can see anyone being suspicious. You know, because that's how solving crimes works. Just get the highest vantage point, right? Wasn't that a thing in, like, I don't know, Star Wars? Yeah, and you, you can see the back of people's heads better from up there. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're up there, they see a cloaked figure driving a golf cart with a covered body in the passenger seat. So they realize this is where the body must have disappeared to. See, this is the point where, like, I got to get out of Dodge if I'm Mary-Kate and Ashley. Like, I'm a child. <laughs> I'm not trying to deal with cloaked figures driving around dead bodies. Yeah, it's a lot higher stakes than some things like Encyclopedia Brown, which is, hey, someone stole my bubble gum. On the last episode, we had a pregnant cat. We had kittens, Mike. And now we have dead <laughs> bodies driving around SeaWorld. This is intense. We've cranked it up to 11. <laughs> So they go down and they're chasing after this person and they see them carrying around the body and then they shove it into one of those tour tram things that will drive around like the parking lots and stuff. So then the twins chase after that and the body gets shoved into a VW van like those old school vans and then drives off into the distance. But on the ground near where the van was are two tickets to a cruise ship which is leaving in a few hours. So they want to catch up with them, but they realize that they're not going to be able to get to where the cruise is departing from. So they need to, you know, call a cab or something, but they don't have the money. So what do they do? They start busking, singing a song about Miami, which is where the cruise ship is departing from. <laughs> and while they are doing so, there's a band of street performers that gets mad that they're on their turf, but then they decide to team up. And it's like this island vibe. They got steel drums and a bass. The band slaps. It starts with this incredible music, great bass riffs, steel drums are going. And then Mary Kate Mary and Kate Ashley, Ashley roll in with International <laughs> Love by Pitbull. <laughs> Close. They roll in wearing awful flamenca outfits with the frilly sleeves and stuff. Of course. And Cultural the, opening, <laughs> the opening line to the song is. What is the tropic spot? And that's that's the kind of vibe we're working with. It makes me want to make a Bootum style low lights video 
to the Miami Heat playing poorly in game one of the NBA Finals and put this terrible song over it. It's awful. It's so horrendous. I don't hate Miami. I'm going to <laughs> put that out there right now. I don't hate that. Jordan said that's a bar. So wait, are we in Miami now or the, the cruise ship is going to Miami? So they're in the Orlando Sea World. I don't think they were in the San Diego oh, Sea World, even though we did dang. rave about San Diego. Jordan just lost her advantage. She's like, I know that place like the back of my hand. They they are at the Orlando SeaWorld, and then they have to take a cab to the port of Miami, I guess, to see Rick Ross. But the cruise is departing in two hours. And if you go on Google Maps, it's like a three plus hour drive without traffic. Also, why are they getting in cabs by themselves? Because that's how they roll. They got to find this potentially dead body. Flagrant disregard. Where's child services? These parents are not. They're overworked. Mr. Kramer's not giving them enough time off. The kids are roaming around, driving around fucking South Florida, which is a scary enough place for an adult, <laughs> let alone a child. I mean, they. I guess they do have the money. They're cashing in on all these movies that they can afford the cash. Right, but still, where are the parents? So they end up busking $98.15, which is enough for them to call a cab, but they don't call a cab. What do they hire? A limo. Because if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it in style. (laughs) Celebrating going to find a dead body. Let's do it in a limo. I'm here for it. So they get up to the cruise ship, they sneak on board. And they see this culprit with the body. They get a better look of the culprit. And it looks like a tall woman in a big black floppy hat with long blonde hair. They are shoving this body into a giant duffel bag. But just as they see this, their parents show up. The dolphin trainer parents show up. And they had heard about what was going on with their kids and stuff. So they chased after them. And they start asking Mary Kay and Ashley, what were they thinking? They're simultaneously responsible parents and incredibly irresponsible because they give them a stern talking to, but also just lost track of their kids for a couple hours in SeaWorld. And they are asking them what happened, what's up. They chase after the culprit. The culprit drops the bag and continues to run away. They open the bag and inside the bag, after they remove the bag that was around the person, they see Flippy the mime. So I turn to the two of you. Who is the person, this culprit, this potential lady in blonde hair with a big hat. I will say that these Mary-Kate and Ashley mysteries follow Mission Impossible rules where someone can just look like another person and then they'll go, haha, just kidding, it's a mask. So anything is at play. It does not have to be a tall woman with blonde hair, especially since we didn't meet any in this mystery. But who do you think was the culprit? And if you can guess what the motive is, if someone orchestrated it, etc., I will also be awarding points. So I hand it over to the two of you. Okay, I have a guess. All right. The culprit is Mr. Kramer, and it was just an elaborate ploy to get the family to leave SeaWorld and have a nice Miami vacation. Okay, all right. Jordan, what do you got? I'm really upset because I was also going to say that. If that's your guess, that's okay. We run on the honor code here, so I will believe you. But you can also switch it up if you want to differentiate. I have to remember that this is a kid's (laughs) mystery. I was like, the blonde woman is his mistress, (laughs) and she's angry. But I did have the same guess that it was Mr. Kramer. But I think he was... He wanted them to get out of town because he's going to be doing some shady business that he didn't want them to find out about. So not necessarily that that he wanted to gift them like a cruise, but he just wanted to get them out of town. All right. So I will say that you guys were right that Mr. Kramer was behind all of this. So I've given each of you three points. Mr. Kramer, full transparency was the only name I remembered. So you got to go with that guy. (laughs) I also have given Bobby a bonus point because his motive was 
I can't get you guys to take a vacation, so I used the twins being so obsessed with solving crimes to make this happen to get you on the cruise, etc. What you two failed to realize is that the actual person disguised as this blonde lady was Bobo, the other mime. So Bobo was the person that was doing all of this with Flippy in the bag. Mr. Kramer's just the mastermind behind this big setup to get the parents to take a forcible vacation. I thought that there were two mimes, but then I was like second guessed myself about the second <laughs> mime because I'm more of a visual learner. Bobo and Flippy sounded more like dolphin names to me. So I was like, wait, it was a dolphin in the bodysuit? I don't know. It's very confused. So wait, 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 wait. Is Flippy alive? Flippy is alive. Don't worry. Don't worry. Flippy oh. is fine. They're good. They're good. Flippy's not dead. Yes, I should have clarified that once they unzip the bag and Flippy pops out, he kisses Mary-Kate and Ashley's dad on the cheek and gives these over-the-top, over-dramatic hugs. I am now realizing in retrospect that it definitely sounded like they opened the body and it was Flippy's dead ass inside the bag. <laughs> That's what I thought! <laughs> I was like, oh no, the other mine wouldn't have killed his mime friend. <laughs> that was actually what I thought. Wait, so can we talk about the fake ID? Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what it was really supposed to do. We're just making fake IDs now? Is that what we're doing? But with the, with the back of someone's head. <laughs> the back of Flippy's head. They should have known that. Come on, girls. It's very strange. It's very, very elaborate. And it's very circumstantial that they would leave the tickets to the Sky Tower and be like, Mary-Kate and Asher are definitely going to go up it and then see us putting the body away. But we're also going to take enough time where they follow us. But we'll drop the cruise tickets on the ground. <laughs> Wow, that was a lot. Yeah, oh, it's a lot. Get ready for the next mystery. It's even more. So we go into our second mystery, the case of the hotel whodunit with Bobby taking a five to three lead. So in this mystery, we see the Trenchcoat twins in their little treehouse clubhouse thing where they take the mystery calls. What's very fun about when the videos start with this is that There'll be the VHS intro, which is them in trench coats singing this terrible song about solving mysteries. Then it cuts right to them. And then they usually do a musical number right away. And in this particular instance, they sing the exact same fucking song. Just now they're in the treehouse singing it. Oh, no. So they got one you. minute goes by, intro song. Another minute and a half goes by, same exact song. But, the, but then they get a call from Mr. Plinkus, who is the assistant to the assistant to the assistant manager of the Hilton Hawaiian Village Hotel. Wow, this is this this is the precursor to the office. <laughs> this invented the assistant to the regional manager. This is exactly where Dwight got his title from. Can I say really quickly though, on the treehouse, the treehouse industry was booming in TV and movies from my whole childhood, but I never knew anybody who had a treehouse. Nobody has tree houses. That's not safe. Did you guys know people who had tree houses? Not at all. I do not. I knew someone who had like a clubhouse, but it was on the ground. So it was basically like a doghouse for kids. Yeah, because if lightning strikes the tree house, the kids are dead. <laughs> Maybe it was a ploy by Home Depot and Lowe's. They were funneling money into children's TV programming so that the kids would ask their parents to build them a tree house. And then, you know, big lumber got in the mix. I like and... where your head is at. Massive capitalistic conspiracy <laughs> theory. You're, I'm right there with you, my friend. Perfect. I don't know why I didn't think of that when I was like seven. Don't feed into the capitalist <laughs> mindset. You're not going to get a tree house. They even got a codename Kids Next Door, guys. Yo, my goodness. Wait, that was kind of a great show. I enjoyed that show quite a bit. I bet you they had some good 
good mysteries on there, too. Ooh, I'll have to investigate. Mm, thank you, Jordan. Just writing this down, making sure you don't get any of the IP. Do, 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 do. <laughs> do I get a point for that? Even though Bobby Yeah, you know what? Honestly, yeah. No, you're getting a point for suggesting that I do it on the show. It's pretty smart. Everything you say here on this podcast is actually trademarked and copyrighted to Mike Schubert. <laughs> yeah, you didn't notice that, but I put a bunch of cookies in the Google Hangouts link. Uh, <laughs> and you auto-agreed to me taking all of your data. <laughs> so... What I do appreciate about these videos, Mary Kane Ashley's performance, not great. The writing, pretty solid. And the acting by the adults is actually fantastic. All of the adult actors just ramp it up to 11. And it's very, very fun. So all the adult actors just ham it up so much. And it's a great time. Mr. Plinkus is no stranger to that. So he calls because items from guests at the hotel have gone missing. He says the coins, watches, pens, tie clasps, and the occasional diamond have gone missing. So before Mary-Kate and Ashley head on over to check out the Hawaiian hotel, they are approached by their sister, Elizabeth Olsen, playing herself like their little sister Lizzie wants to come along with them, which causes them to bust into a song called Bud Out, and then in parentheses, B-U-T-T Out, which is a five-minute song of them basically telling Lizzie to fuck off because she's their annoying little sister and they don't like her. Oh, this is awful. <laughs> that is terrible. Elizabeth Olsen looks genuinely crushed. Genuinely so sad. Wow. Include your siblings in things that you do. You know, create healthy, happy families. Yeah. Seriously, I was the youngest, so that would have totally been me. I would just want to tag along and do everything that my older siblings did. And if they sang a five-minute song called Butt Out, I would be crying in my room. <laughs> At that point, you have to accept defeat, though. A five-minute song? Like, I mean... <laughs> I guess that's a good enough reason that I can't you guys go. Practice this? You guys just had this ready just in case I asked to tag along? <laughs> and then Elizabeth Olsen, the big long con. You guys are gonna flame out by age 17, and I'm gonna be in Marvel movies and get that Marvel bread. Mic <laughs> drop. We also get into the next thing, which becomes a recurring bit. They ask the person calling where the mystery is. They tell them. They look it up in an atlas. So they just open a big atlas and then find exactly where they need to go. And then it always takes them 15 minutes to get there, and they always go by bike, even if they have to cross bodies of water. And then there's like an <laughs> Indiana Jones map moving graphic that they show, oh, and they yes. always take not a direct route. They do loop-de-loops and squiggly lines and stuff, but it always takes them 15 minutes by bike, and I think it's fucking hilarious. That is so funny. Do you think that's SpawnCon? Do you think like Atlas threw a check their way? MapQuest got in the mix too. Oh my gosh. Dang, MapQuest. <laughs> Remember when you had to print out directions or else you would have no idea where you were going jordan i have such powerful memories of getting lost on the way to travel baseball tournaments because the oh, map quest like dude. ink faded out at the bottom you know like it didn't make it all the way and we were like i think we're supposed to go left here i'm you know right at the 19th red light sure bobby gets the that is way too real for me bonus point because that was my life <laughs> yes and i was like an aau basketball feel like my coach had the very first gps system yes and it would tell her last minute when to turn <laughs> and we would be on the freeway she'd be five lanes over cross all five lanes to exit. In Southern California. Wow. <laughs> I was scared for my life. And I was not living in LA at the time. I was from Sacramento and I was like, I'm going to die here. This is how it ends. So MapQuest over initial <laughs> GPS systems for sure. I'm also giving Jordan a bonus point because I had a very, very old GPS system when I first started driving in Texas. And Texas has like 38 lane wide highways. It's daunting and terrifying. And yeah, same thing. Wild West, baby. Yeah, the GPS would be like, exit in now. <laughs> 
Exactly. Bro, remember when you could buy like a, it looked like an Etch-A-Sketch GPS. It was like 70 bucks on Black Friday at like Best Buy. <laughs> and it just didn't know anything about where to go. And you couldn't auto update the map. So like if a road changed or like a lane changed, it's just like, all right, I guess we're just driving like it's 2006. I bet people over, older than us just hate us. <laughs> you had to plug it into the cigarette lighter in the car. Yes. With a yes. Big clunky cord. And I remember when we moved to Texas, we moved into a suburb that was just built. So it wasn't on the map. So once you got within like five minutes of where my house was, the GPS was like, you're in a white rectangle my guy <laughs> just blank <laughs> just totally blank that weren't the first one's name like tom tom yep it was a tom tom i also appreciate that it would take so long to boot up and then it would take so long to find you You'd just be sitting in the parking lot for 15 minutes and then god forbid you miss a turn <laughs> because by the time it finds you you've already missed the next turn you're supposed to make and then it takes another 15 minutes to find you it was terrible it was terrible we're so spoiled google maps and way is low-key the most important invention huge <laughs> ever of our lifetimes <laughs> So going back to American Ashley, I do wonder if Hilton sponsored this movie because this Hawaiian Hilton Hotel is a legitimate hotel that actually exists. And they do show some product placement looking things. So I would not be surprised if there was some uh, branded content back in the 90s. Jordan was right. Kevin Hart would be proud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they get into the hotel and then they go to the lobby to meet up with Mr. Plinkus. Mr. Plinkus is telling them, gives them a bit of a recap about all the stuff going missing. And he says that all of the commotion going on is irritating Elvis, who is the hotel lobby cockatoo. Not in a cage. He's just chilling on one of those wood perch things. And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty bird. Feels like some sort of health code animal violation but who's to say i don't understand why can birds talk we don't talk about that enough like we i'm worried about that <laughs> right we don't talk about how they can form legit sentences and everyone's just like oh it's funny no like what's happening really let's let's talk about it this is my chance to um make the uh, reagan replace all of the birds with spies joke oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i've given you both a bonus point for the bird conspiracy theories <laughs> so Plinkus says that he's incredibly worried about stuff going missing because three very high-profile guests are coming in to check into the hotel today. So Mary Kay and Ashley stake out in the lobby and wait for these guests to come in. The first of which is Monica, who is one of the most famous movie stars in all of Hollywood. She's this fancy schmance, got a big feather on her hat and this fluffy boa around her neck, big long gloves that go all the way up her elbow. Very, very, very fancy. What year is this? 1932. I know it's like it's like the 90s. It's like good Cruella Deville vibes, like the Glenda the Good Witch version of Cruella Deville. The reality of this is be like it would be Courtney Cox coming in wearing like baggy denim jeans and like a black (laughs) t-shirt. But okay, yeah, a crop top, spaghetti strap. It would be Friends fashion. She comes in and she's got this fancy silver compact where she keeps checking out her makeup in the whole time that she's talking to Plinkus. Plinkus gives her a key, sends her off to her room. Then the next guest comes in. His name is Tex Tumbleweed. He is the richest oil man in the entire state of Texas. Wow. And he has a bolo tie and a plaid shirt and boots. And he's also wearing a great detail, a leather vest, which is mwah, of course. so good. Of course he is. He just bought a baseball team in the time it took me to respond to that. <laughs> he also, speaking of baseball, has a big bag of sunflower seeds Respect. and 
The prop department, it is definitely a bag of David's sunflower seeds, but they have taped over David's with just sunflower seeds. But you can see through it a little bit in the back. <laughs> no free ads. If you're not bringing Hilton money to this, then Get you're out. not. <laughs> Get out. You're not going to be spot Oh, David doesn't have the bag like that. <laughs> he offers them to Mr. Plinkus. Mr. Plinkus is offended by this, but he says, ah, the bird will love these. And Tex goes, oh, you're chicken over there? And Plinkus goes, how dare you? Elvis is a very rare cockatoo. And Tex says, gesundheit. And Plinkus says, thank you. And then looks confused, immediately realizing that he doesn't <laughs> understand why Tex just said, God bless you to him. Classic. Tex walks off heading to his room and he says, if you need more sunflower seeds, let me know. I've got a whole bunch. So then the third guest comes in and this is Luigi, the world famous Italian opera singer. Wow. Alora. <laughs> he does this quick little la 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 and he does it very often. But he also keeps using a pitch pipe, this shiny silver pitch pipe, every time before he does his little vocal riff. Now, while he is getting ready to check into his room, they hear a big scream. So the detectives and Plinkus head to where the scream is, and they see Monica by the pool, and she says her silver compact has been stolen. She had it on her little side table thing next to where she was getting her tan, and the compact is gone, but what's left on the table is a pile of sunflower seeds. So while they are dealing with this situation, Plinkus's beeper goes off, shout out to the late 90s, and it is from Tex. He says there's trouble in his penthouse suite. So they go to the penthouse suite, and they see Tex outside of the room, but... Inside of the room, they can hear someone singing, and it's that same la 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 that Luigi was doing. So they think maybe it's Luigi in the room. So they bust into the room, but no one is there. Everything seems to be in order, except for the balcony door is open, and Tex's shiny silver bolo tie has gone missing. Hmm. Right as they're dealing with this, Plinkus's cell phone rings. I don't know why he has a beeper and a cell phone. His cell phone rings, and it's Luigi saying that there's problems in his dressing room. So they go to his dressing room, and he says that his pitch pipe is gone, and he says he can't sing without it. He keeps trying to do his little vocal riff. Talk about an Achilles heel. <laughs> but he keeps coughing halfway through, as if the pitch pipe helps his throat, and not just to keep him on pitch. It's very confusing. All that is left in his room, though, was a white feather. And this white feather looks very similar to the one that was sticking out of Monica's hat. So Mary-Kate and Ashley go back to the room. They open up their laptops. They each have a laptop. So clearly their parents are making really big SeaWorld money. And they go through all the clues and they make a realization of what is the reason these items are going missing. What's behind it all because they found something across their research. So I turn to the two of you. Who is behind stealing all of these items? I feel like I scooped you last time, Jordan, so I'll let you go first because I think we both know the answer, right? Ooh. Yes. Well, actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> We're both going to say the same thing. But I think it's the bird. It's Elvis. It's definitely the He's bird. He's doing this. <laughs> yeah. And the white feather was from the bird. And he probably had a whole conversation with them. And he was probably the one singing. So, yeah. So, I was going to say. So, the bird enjoyed the sunflower seeds, just like Tex said. Took the sunflower seeds over by the pool. Left them there when it took the makeup thing. And then went up to the room. And, obviously, the open window was a way for the bird to escape. I don't know. Cockatoos can fly. I don't know anything about birds. We've already talked about this. But the birds, just like Jordan and I so expertly predicted, can mimic human beings and talk and shit. So I, I think that the bird was also singing Luigi's little riff. 
Um, and then the feather left behind, yeah, I think was was from Monica's hat. Oh, you think the feather was from Monica's hat? I think the feather is from the bird. Oh. All right, I will say, you're both correct, but Jordan was more correct in that it was from the bird. Monica oh. wasn't afoot, so that was like the clue of how it was there. So I'm giving you both three points. I'm giving Jordan the extra bonus point because that was a uh, part of the solution there. But yeah, it was the bird who did it. I so desperately wanted this to be like an Ocean's Eleven international crime syndicate kind of situation and like Monica Tex and Luigi were all in it together. Mm. I wanted that too. I was like, okay, they're running around all over the hotel, but someone- Like chasing is... their own tail, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we get into the final mystery, the mystery cruise adventure, and the score is tied 10 to 10. So this oh is a God, uh, up. hotly contested one, folks. So I think this takes place immediately after the previous SeaWorld one, because they're on a cruise and Bobo and Flippy are there, as is Mr. Kramer. The only thing that doesn't make sense is that Mary-Kate and Ashley's dad is talking about the talking to dolphins computer program, and he's talking about it in a way as if it's not done because the first scene we see is him on his laptop typing stuff out working on this program and the mom is like you're working too hard we're on vacation come on you think he's more of like a sequel or a python guy mike what do you think <sighs> i would say maybe he's a javascript could be r <laughs> i don't know what's happening uh, c plus plus uh if we keep going i'm screwed because it's the last one i know <laughs> html i ran a blog <laughs> yeah i used to code uh, my myspace page yeah we all had MySpace yes. pages. <laughs> yes so i was like a coder back in the day <laughs> he does give a great line where the mom says you need to relax and he says well i am working in a more relaxed space which i think is great okay nerd <laughs> but it's just confusing of in this previous thing, they were already using the program. Why is he still working on it? Maybe he's perfecting it. I'm not sure. We're just going to move on with the mystery. Mr. Kramer walks by, and he looks rough. He looks incredibly seasick, not looking great, but he does look super fresh because he's wearing a yellow floral Hawaiian shirt. So he's vacationing. He's ready to go. So on the cruise, the Trenchcoat twins, of course, are just having no luck finding anyone who needs a case to be solved. And they are trying to get kids to hire them to solve mysteries. Mysteries. One girl asks if they can help her if she loses her tan, and they go, no, we don't do that kind of lost thing. And then they ask two boys if they need any mystery solved, and they say, why would we need detectives? And they say, in case you lose something. And one of the boys says, could you help us find some dates? Which is smooth as hell for an eight-year-old. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to him. Yeah. Mad game at eight years old. They go, ugh, hot shots, and brush these boys off. Hot shots? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. And then they go and they see Bobo and Flippy, the mimes, sunbathing. They're up to no good. The mimes are on this trip, too? Did we just shut down SeaWorld? Like, nobody's working there anymore? I mean, the manager and the mimes and the dolphin trainers aren't there. I don't know what else people are going to do at SeaWorld, man. All the entertainment's gone. Sorry to this mid-Atlantic family that came down to see SeaWorld, but it's closed for the week. And if there's any sort of crime. Mary-Kate and Ashley can't solve the crime. Everything is terrible at SeaWorld right now. <laughs> so later in the day, Mary-Kate and Ashley are headed to their room. They are going to put on swimsuits so they can meet up with their parents to go swimming in the pool. But as they get to the room, they hear someone inside, so they know it's an intruder because their parents are at the pool. So they hide around the corner of the hallway, and they see Mr. Kramer walk out, and he has a briefcase. So he runs off. They think this is suspicious, so they go and tell their parents. Their parents go in with them to check out the room, and their dad opens up this case. Big old case. He says, my computer, my floppy disks, and the entire program 
It's all gone. Shout out to floppy disks. I was going to say floppy disks. That's the oh time my period. goodness. So they go to confront Mr. Kramer after Mary Kay and Ashley say, we saw Mr. Kramer leaving the room. When they go to his room, he answers the door. He's wearing these nice silk pajamas. And he says, why did you wake me up? You know, I've been as sick as a dog. And Mary Kate and Ashley go, where were you at 1145? And he says, uh, I was in my bathroom and you don't want to know what I was doing. So, you know, big throw up vibes from Mr. Kramer here. Gross. So then he says, actually, I need to go back there and walks off. So the dad believes Mr. Kramer and the kids still feel suspicious. But the parents say that they're going to go tell the cruise ship security that something has gone missing. My life's work just laying Open and unlocked on, floppy disks. <laughs> on a floppy disk and just on the bed. On a cruise. like It gets even worse later. Okay. So while the parents are telling the cruise security what's up, the kids go back into the room to look for clues. And they see a set of fingerprints on the glass coffee table. They see a set of fingerprints. After they do their little brushing, they do fingerprint brushing. Wow. Are they like funded by the CIA? <laughs> like what the hell are we talking about <laughs> they here? They are legit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Even more legit, they have a little booklet with fingerprints of themselves and their parents and they hold it up to the fingerprint and they go, this doesn't match any of ours. So this is somebody else. Wow. Okay. So they're walking about the cruise ship. They see Mr. Kramer asleep out on the deck where everybody's sunbathing. He is back wearing his yellow floral shirt. So they take this little fingerprint case, like an ink pad or whatever, out of their pockets, and they fingerprint his hands. Non-consensually, wow. Not at all. I'm here to defend Mr. Kramer's privacy. Come on, he's just trying to sleep <laughs> on a cruise. He just gave you this vacation? Come on. Yeah, in a very deep sleeper. Or you're not waking up from that? Interesting. He wakes up immediately after and then wipes his face, and then you get some great slapstick humor mm. of the ink all on his face. High, high comedy. This is why I have a thing where I refuse to sleep in public places. This is exactly the scenario I'm imagining. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. Mary Kate and mm-hmm. Ashley on a cruise ship fingerprinting me against my will? <laughs> I'm going to give uh, Bobby a bonus point for that irrational fear. <laughs> they go back, they try to match up these prints to what's in the room, and it doesn't match. So they're even more confused. So they are walking around with their parents later on that day, and they are really trying to work on the case. But the parents are saying, you know, cruise security will take care of it. The dad says, quote, girls, I don't want to talk about it. I worked on that program for nearly five years. Five years, and this dude doesn't have a backup or a fucking lock? Like, come on, guy. Wow, he's going through it. It's just wild. So ridiculous. And he talked in the beginning about how important this program was. It's going to be revolutionary to the marine biology community. The Nobel Prize people would have gotten involved in this by now. Like, yeah, there would dude. be copies of this in every locked safe in every fucking lab in America if he could do this. But okay. The kids first float a theory about someone dressing up as Mr. Kramer, maybe inspired by the previous antics. So now, in addition to their thought that maybe Mr. Kramer is guilty, They also are thinking maybe someone was disguised as Mr. Kramer. So the kids are walking around different parts of the cruise ship trying to see if anyone looks suspicious. And they get to the part where there is the casino and they see both Flippy and Bobo gambling. Flippy is just miming gambling, but Bobo is legitimately playing craps. Like he's legit tossing the dice and everything. (laughs) Michael Jordan's got the Eastern Conference Finals the next day. (laughs) Another point for that reference. Dang it! Uh, (laughs) So they then are snooping around a bit and they see the briefcase, the silver briefcase that they saw Mr. Kramer walking with earlier. So as they are about to grab it, they are then greeted by 
Mr. Kramer back wearing another shirt. It's a different shirt. It's still a very fun Hawaiian style shirt, but it's not the same yellow floral. He's getting one. these fits off, dude. He's like Russell Westbrook coming in and out of basketball games. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, did he only pack? What is his suitcase looking like? Did he pack the silk pajamas and the floral shirt and two that look very similar? What's going on here? So then there's just a chase scene between Mary Kate Nashley and Mr. Kramer. He's chasing after them. But while they're running away from him, a second Mr. Kramer wearing the same shirt comes in. He does not have a case. He chases after the case Mr. Kramer. And then they get into a bit of a tussle. And then you get your classic Scooby-Doo mask pull-off reveal where the kids then say who they thought it was, what the motive was, etc. So I turn to the two of you. Who is behind this and what was their motive? Oh, see, this is the hardest one yet. I'm very confused. That's why we saved it for last. Basic rundown. They saw Mr. Kramer leaving their room with a silver briefcase. Then they talked to Mr. Kramer. He was in his pajamas, said he was really sick. Then they found fingerprints. Then they took Mr. Kramer's fingerprints, a Mr. Kramer who was sleeping on the sun deck. Those fingerprints did not match the fingerprints they saw in the room. Then they see Bobo and Flippy gambling. Flippy is pretend gambling. Bobo is legitimately gambling. Then they see Mr. Kramer as they find the case. He chases after them. A second Mr. Kramer shows up. They get into a tussle, and then the reveal happens. Mm. So the bird is definitely out. <laughs> bird not in play unless it flew all the way here from Hawaii. <laughs> not putting it past it, but... We've just completely ignored time and space for most of this, so... This is hard. The gambling thing is the part of it where I'm like, okay, this is a wrinkle that they wouldn't just throw in this for no reason. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's Bobo dressed as Mr. Kramer stealing the work to pawn it off to pay his gambling debts as he's losing craps. Okay, all right. I like it. Jordan, do you have a guess? Well, I was going to say Bobo or Flippy, but I feel like they showed them gambling to be like, hey, it's not them. They're doing something Mm. else. So I am going to say it was a dolphin trainer from SeaWorld San Diego that knew that he was going to be on the ship and wanted to steal his technology. An espionage mission. Wow. Yeah. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Okay, I will say that, Jordan, you are not correct, but I did give you a bonus point first for not ruling out the bird initially, and then another (laughs) bonus point for the rival dolphin trainer thought. I love it. But I got to say, three points of Bobby, because that was right. That was exactly it. Bobo was gambling money, and he stole the case to try to sell it because he knew it would be really valuable, and he just wanted to get that cash As Mary-Kate and Ashley, I don't know which one said it, one of them said, when they asked why would Bobo do this, one of the twins says, he thought he could get mucho dinero for selling the program. Wow. (laughs) Well, I thought that she was going to say, he was in with the sharks, so he stole the dolphin program. (laughs) (laughs) Another bonus point for Bobby, which brings the final score, 16 to 12, meaning you have won some money for the Ochre Project. Bobby, how does it feel to reign victorious? It feels fantastic. But this was a blast anyway, and Jordan was a worthwhile foe. Man, that I 
can't believe you got that. Honestly, <laughs> that was that was really good. That's pretty dark, guys. Like <laughs> he he's on a cruise gambling away all of his money from his like probably minimum wage mime job at SeaWorld. There's a lot of like societal factors in this. Either that or he is fully convinced that he's going to get away with it and he's gambling future money he's going to get from selling the dolphin thing. Either way, it's terrible. He's co-workers with Mary Kay Nashley's dad. Man, Bobo going to end up like under the deck, like tied to a chair getting his kneecaps broken. Dang. Is this also where Sweet Life on Deck got <laughs> oh. some of their ideas? Because I feel like that that could have been something. This might all be part of the, the, the Sweet Life extended universe, though. It's like a hotel and like a lobby manager. Oh, and they're twins. Yeah, they're twins. Yeah, this is like... This was the predecessor. Yeah, Talk that's about good. valuable IP. That was a super fun game. I was really nervous, but I'm so happy that... You guys both did <laughs> it great. It was so fun, and I at least... At least got one in there. You guys both held your own. This is the high scoring game of meddling adults we've ever had. I feel like we acquitted ourselves well, Jordan. We did a good job. Yes. And I will still make a donation to oh, the Black Women for Wellness Project. That's fantastic. Because of that kindness, I will let you go first. If people want to find you doing stuff on the internet or podcast-wise, Jordan, where can they do so? Yeah, you can find my WNBA coverage on TheRinger.com and follow me on Twitter at underscore Jordan Liggins. Awesome. What about you, Bobby? You can find me producing many podcasts at The Ringer, all of the baseball ones. You can find me on Twitter at BWAGS. And then I also do a, a little socialist baseball podcast called Tipping Pitches. You can find us on Twitter at Tipping underscore Pitches. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you two both so much for joining. Listeners, thanks for listening. And I got to say, you two really held your own. I would much rather hire you than just a a couple of non-on-top-of-the-ball-like-you-are meddling adults. Thanks for listening to this episode of Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. Today's episode was edited by me as well. The art is by Ma'ayan Atias and Kelly Schubert. The music is by Bettina Campamandas and Brandon Grugel. And the web design is by me and Kelly Schubert. If you want to support the show, you can do so by going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash meddlingadults, where you will get early access to episodes as well as bonus episodes, and we'll put your name on the website, or you can give a one-time donation at paypal.me slash meddlingadults. You can learn more about the show at meddlingadults.com, and you can follow us on social media at meddlingadults on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're enjoying the show, one way that you can also help us out is by telling someone about it. If you think of someone that might enjoy the show, let them know. Shoot them a message, send them a link to an episode that you think that they would like in particular. Anything spreading the word helps so much, and if we get a bigger audience, we can end up having more people supporting the show and raising even more money for charity. Hooray! Thanks to Multitude for having us as a part of the network. This week, instead of promoting anything, Multitude is just asking you, all of the hosts, we're saying, please go out and vote. If you go to vote.gov, you can get registered and you can get information about how you fill out an absentee ballot, if that's what you're trying to do, or where you should go to vote. But please, everyone, go out and vote. This upcoming election in the U.S. is incredibly important, so we highly encourage you to get registered and to vote by whatever means makes the most sense for you. Thanks again for listening and hope to catch you for our next episode.